Against all odds, writer Bas Timmers went on a trip to Latin America on September the 1st, 2020, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. This is his story, The Long Road to Medellin. Chapter 13. Meeting people is easy. Sometimes I feel like a loose element in between clusters of atoms. The lone traveler in a sea of couples. The sad single guy, according to some others who can't imagine going around the world on their own. And I couldn't care less for their opinion. It's one of those unerasable prejudices. You must be a loner to do this on your own. That you're only doing it alone because you couldn't find someone. The thought one could be perfectly at ease with that and with yourself is one that never crosses these people's minds. By now it's actually my preferred option to go it alone. There is a practical side to it. I already pity people having to keep up with my tireless let's walk around the city approach. I can choose my own rhythm, my own destinations. No compromises, no loss of mental energy because of relationship problems. Sure enough, the first long trip last year was a jump into the unknown. The idea had been floating around in my brilliant mind for years, but it seemed most importantly too expensive to me to go on my own. No rental car costs to share, no bedrooms as well. What about those difficult moments when the shit hits the fan and the only one that can solve the problems and decides what to do is you? But a former colleague pushed me over the line. Car rental wasn't a good option in Central America anyway. Accommodation was so cheap I could afford a double bed for myself as well. And you are not scared of making decisions, he told me. In 2019, it took a couple of weeks in Mexico to find my rhythm to establish my daily rituals in an unusual world. Having dinner on my own was sometimes difficult. Maybe it was just me who sensed other people's thoughts, what a stranger was doing here on his own. Then again, the silence between long-term partners on adjacent tables, or them playing more with their smartphones than with each other's minds, seemed more awkward to me. There was a moment, probably when I was sitting on a rooftop in between the volcanoes of the Shela Valley in Guatemala, where I started to feel totally at ease, especially with myself. Without work and without a traveling companion, there had finally been breathing space. The hard personal questions came out of thin air, the answers sometimes as well. Some would call it serendipity. In the end, maybe it all revolves around time and space, for yourself as well. Time and space to look for what my deep-rooted motivations really are. What things are important to me. To dream up scenarios, to visualize what life could look like in the next years. To boil all those images down into words. To condense them into one paragraph that would be my life compass. I never want to repeat myself. I always want to look for new wisdom, experiences, people and more. Is the resulting short version I'm willing to tell you. Once that was in writing, I had found my peace of mind. I might be a loose element in a cluster of atoms, but a deeply satisfied one at that with my own direction. 
Some might need other people around them to be happy. But it's also hard to find like-minded creatures that share more or less the same bandwidth, the same mind space. Soulmates where the compromises don't cancel out the benefits of having someone to talk to and bounce off ideas and share the workload of organizing the trip. Only with my two best friends, symbiotic non-sexual relationships that have grown over more than two decades, I wouldn't hesitate for a second to book any adventure anywhere in the world. If not possible, and no cute gay guy is stupid enough to fall in love with me and vice versa, I prefer going it alone. By now, me is sufficiently in the mental inner doldrums. If you're not at ease with yourself, going on trips like mine on your own would be a bad idea probably. I consider myself lucky to have both options. That, my friends, was a long elaboration through parts of my genie's mind. Because many people have asked me whether I felt lonely whether I would even meet fellow travelers, especially during this pandemic. The first question was answered, the latter will be as well. The strange thing is, pandemic times had actually made it easier to meet locals and travelers. Except of course for online dating, which posed its very specific health risks, but which turned out to still be a rather big market, as human nature cannot simply be ignored. Much of the increased likelihood of uh, burning into like-minded travelers probably came down to my choice for hostels and guest houses this time around instead of Airbnb, where you might get your own apartment, though with no one to meet, or bigger hotels, which are too anonymous. The smaller accommodations, combined with a relaxed staff because they finally had time to talk to guests, made chance encounters much likelier. It started in the cute colonial house in the Roma Norte neighborhood, the one where no wall was standing at a straight 90 degrees and the floor had started to tilt towards the street slightly in the past decades. Mexico City, one should not forget, is built on the bed of a former lake and the metropolis is sinking ever deeper and not necessarily evenly every year. The guest house had been closed for six months until the middle of September. Gavi, the receptionist and ex-cleaning lady, had been paid 50% of her salary in that period. More than other employees at other companies, not really enough to live though. How she had survived, she didn't elaborate on. Hard times was the only thing she muttered. I was therefore the first guest, and what one, after these strange months together with Marcus and Elena, who had to share the breakfast dish with me because there only was one. After having been served breakfast on my room in previous weeks because of the pandemic, I was almost scared by this unexpected loosening of the corona measures. I had initiated the always awkward initial stages of conversation with Marcus and Elena in my version of Spanish. They were a couple from Guadalajara, that much I understood, enjoying their first holiday as well in ages. To reduce risks, they had opted for the plane as well, instead of a much longer bus ride. We came to share the breakfast table for the next mornings, 
eventually started to share the cans of beer that turned out to be free for guests in the fridge on the rooftop terrace as well. To find out, literally in the end, on the last day, when Elena was having a rest, that Marcus was originally from Germany. That explained why he had told about business travels to places like Mannheim, a city no sane foreign tourist would ever visit. In that moment, it also slowly dawned on him how little I had understood of our conversations in Spanish. My optimistic estimate was always a comprehension rate on my side of around 30%. He had apparently explained days earlier, but in the wrong language, he preferred to speak Spanish with me because his wife could then understand our intellectual remarks as well. At least we could now finally speak German and drink Mexican beer together. These chance encounters were to become a pattern and therefore no chance anymore. In Villa Vieja, the jumping base for visiting the Desierto Tatacoa in Colombia, I was having lunch when I heard English at another table. I have to correct that. I wanted to have lunch and thought to have ordered a healthy bowl with fruit and yogurt, but received a massive frappuccino look-alike with cream and chocolate dripping on all sides. That, in turn, ignited the curiosity of the other table. Micha and Jenny had just arrived in this remote town, in their own car, looking for a place to stay for a couple of nights. But they had their priorities for, in order, first some food. Needless to say, they ended up in the same hostel. We're so wise to follow my recommendation to order smoked salmon from the grill with mashed potatoes when we went to a restaurant together in the evening. And they took notes when I told them about my experiences in Ecuador, their next destination. Theirs was a fascinating story. Micha and Jenny had met a decade earlier, when she was still working in South Africa, and the Swiss guy was on holiday. They clicked immediately, on some instinctive level, and kept seeing each other as much as was possible. She moved to Kenya to build a small house, which income from rent was now her travel budget. He had to be back in Switzerland for several months in a row to save money as well, before they could occasionally be reunited again. Until, in the middle of 2019, he cancelled his job so the dream of traveling together could finally be realized. The car was actually theirs. They had bought it in early 2020 in Colombia, after a six-month stint from Mexico to Panama, mainly by public transport. Theirs was freestyle travel as well, just like me, with a generic sense of which places to visit, but enough leeway to improvise for whatever hurdles would be found on their way. The overall idea had been, and still was, to try to travel all the way to the Patagonian tip of South America. Luck was on their side on March the 13th. They had decided a break was necessary and had found a work-for-sleep deal one week before. The owner of a Colombian hacienda was going away for a couple of months and had been looking for someone to look after the house and the dog. Micha and Jenny had hardly moved in or lockdown struck. The hacienda had been their own paradise for five months. It hadn't always been easy. They were honest enough to tell me, especially dealing with each other's 
peculiarities was a continuous challenge. We're getting quite good at it. Michael laughed over the Cuba Libre that followed the salmon. But I can also understand why it is sometimes easier for you to travel alone. They kept writing me after their visit to the Desierto Tatacoa. The couple had slowly been making its way to the Ecuador border. Because the idea of a road trip was to do most of this by car. That's why they had finally bought a second-hand one in Colombia, to drive all the way to Argentina with it. But the Ecuadorian land border had been closed since March the 13th. Yes, the dam bridge at Rumichaca. The only way to get into Ecuador was still by plane. So Micha and Jenny were opting for another break, two months in another villa. Hoping that by the middle of January 2021, the borders would finally open. And now I was in Via de Leiva, where the pattern repeated itself one more time. I had not supposed to be in this place this quick, but my planned adventure to El Cocuy National Park, insanely remote and insanely high up in the Andes, was shelved. Not because of the pandemic, but because indigenous groups had protested over monetary issues related to the use of the park. Thus, the park was closed for now. Instead of this detour, the road led straight to Via de Leiva. This was another nocturnal arrival in an overcrowded minivan where social distancing was an unknown concept. The first kiss of this colonial city had been sweet, walking onto the cobblestone massive central square lit by flickering orange lights. Having dinner in the corner of the square in the patio of a restaurant was a treat. This, my friends, was promising. In the dark, I had to find my way to the hostel, 15 minutes outside of the city. Antonio welcomed me, a 50-something. 63, he actually told me, when he drove me back to Bogota a couple of days later, visiting his actual hometown and his wife and daughter. He had worked all his life as an electrical engineer, but his dream was to build and start his own hostel. In the 60s, Antonio invested all his life savings into his place. He was one of those hosts that finally had all the time for his guests. Actually, I suspected his dream of building his own hostel was actually a dream of having the perfect excuse to talk to people all day. But that wouldn't do justice to his generosity and warmest of hearts. Thus, it was no surprise on the second night upon returning from another delightful Italian dinner to see him sit in the living room with a bottle of red wine and two people who turned out to be atoms bound together in a relationship, also known as a couple. The lone atom was invited to join. There was no use in saying no. A second bottle of red wine was opened. Meeting people is easy after all. Even during a pandemic, even for an apparent loner like me. Thank you for listening to another chapter of The Long Road to Medellin, a book about traveling during the pandemic. If you want to read more travel stories by Boss Timmers about Latin America, visit IntoTheArmsOfAmerica.com.